You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hockey! My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. We didn't get inside as, uh, as much as our group does get inside. So um, they they did a real good job in that area. But um, we we didn't get to our game. You know, like you said, maybe maybe there was a point in the second, but we thought even in the first, it was like we, we weren't we weren't sharp in, in how we play the game. And and uh, obviously they played real well, and it uh, you know the score was uh, indicative. And the words of Wild Coach Dean Everson sum up what was another crappy night in Winnipeg. Lost uh, 2 nothing. what, a week ago, a week and a half ago in Winnipeg. Lost 6-3 last night. Mark Shifley with the hat trick. Judd's hockey show. Zolgad. Declan Goff back from his deathbed, oh, from his flu bed. Um, and we, uh, we both, I'm sure, watched uh, good portions, if not the entire game last night, Dex. And I would say this. That was a lousy performance it was disappointing because i think there was an air of anticipation after the last uh disappointing performance against the jets in winnipeg that it would be different but nonetheless this team last 14 games 11 2 and 1 both losses to the jets which is interesting because i believe it was on uh what black friday they clobbered the jets like seven to one at the x Mm -hmm. so they certainly beat them um it's just hard to get too riled up about a loss by this team when the thing that they have done a really good job of consistently, aside from that five game skid that ended in the winter classic is they've done a consistently good job of bouncing back. Mm -hmm. So the performance wasn't good. Um, Some of the lines that had played very well did not. All of that being said, you've got the Florida Panthers who are the, uh, who are atop the Eastern conference on Friday at Mm -hmm. the X and uh, I fully expect that this version of the wild will bounce back, bounce back strong. And so I really, I struggled to get worked up about a bad performance during a season that's long, that's going to now have a ton of games. And during which so far you've proven that you are much like the, what, 2019 twins, wild. a resilient, a resilient bunch. Yeah, I I don't take... um too much stock in the loss necessarily. I, I will say it was probably like the ugliest I've seen the Wild play all season. Like it was just, it wasn't a fun game. Um, they get off to the one nothing lead, which is great. And in fact, I think it's only the third time that they've lost in regulation this season after scoring first. So they've typically been a very strong team. And, you know, even after the, the ugly period that was the second period, which then even got uglier in the third, I kind of even thought, well, the Wild have been a third period team all year. They're down two. The, they, they let in a sure. ball breaker there at the end of the second, which always stink. Um, and I still thought, yeah, it's our third period team. You know, this isn't this isn't a death march. This this won't be that tall of a comeback, and, and which is something I have never really had the thoughts of going into a third period with the Wild in previous incarnations. But Absolutely. then, then the third period they were still flat. And I don't know. You know what was it? Uh, was it just one night where things just didn't go according to plan? Was it the the shine starting to just you know rub down a little bit and just not not sustaining the insane insane success that they've had to a to a degree? 
But to me, I think the, the biggest takeaway was that they it was just one of their ugliest games of the season. It was a clunker. So I, th- I think to to address your question there, I think part of the problem, and Dean addressed this in, in his uh, in his various post game quotes. This wild team is talented and they're fast. Um, they're a very good team. That being said, I think part of the problem is there are times and the Jets play the Jets play what I would describe as, describe excuse me as a heavy game. Yeah, they play like a playoff style game. They they are um, I think probably going to miss the playoffs. But that being said, they play a heavy game. Mm-hmm. And and Dean talked about this, and he's right. I think part of the problem at times, especially against a team like this, the Wild starts to believe their their press clippings. They can score goals, which they can. They're fast, which they are. Uh, but as Dean talked about, they also then start to play at times an East-West game, and they start to play cute. They're not a cute team. Uh, they can make cute plays at times, and that's great. But if you are, hey, we are scoring goals. We got Zookie. And we got Kaprizov and Fiala's playing great and Bolds is, you know, and we are going to become the 86 Oilers. You're in for a wake-up call. And and it looked last night against a team like the Jets. And I'll go back to our conversation after the 2-0 loss last week, I believe. Um, That conversation still holds true. I think when you're playing a team like the Jets, who mirror what you were probably going to see in the playoffs at times, yeah. you can't afford to think you're cute and good. <laughs> You've got to play a heavy, hard game. Because, I like, like, look at as good as uh, Kirill is. Great skater. Um, you know, um, his shot is fantastic. Puck handling off the charts. But he is also, he can play a very, a very tough game. He can hit. And and when you start to say, you know what, let's get cute. Let's play East-West. I think it's going to catch up to you at times like this, and especially against a team like the Jets. So so I do think that this again served, much like the last game against the Jets, as sort of a good wake-up call at the fact that your identity needs to begin with you are going to play a tough game yourself. And then and then if that translates in good transition, right? If that translates in really nice plays, that's fantastic. But your starting point can't be, we are just going to beat you with talent. I think the starting point has to be, we're going to outwork you. And then our talent comes in and, and becomes a key contributing factor to the fact that we can win the game. Yeah, when you lose a game like this to the Jets, uh, this gives I think a kind of other teams blueprints on how how to beat the Wild. Like if if for whatever reason the Blues have the Wild's number, and then look, the Blues are a good team, so I shouldn't undersell them too much. But the Blues, if they meet the Blues in the playoffs, I think the Wild win that series, but it it's going to be tough. It's going to they're, they're going to yeah. they're they're going to try to size them down, and they're going to use their size for the lack of a better word to to outpower the Wild. That's that's how they'll win. I don't buy their goaltending. I think their goaltending is awful, and that's where they're also suspected, uh, suspect of being beaten, beating, be, being beat in the first round of the playoffs by Minnesota. But when you see what Winnipeg did to you yesterday, you kind of get the get the blueprint of how the Wild could get out muscled in a in in a, in a playoff series. You know, if they want to go toe to toe and play, you know, up and down hockey with Colorado, that could be fun. I think Colorado still has more firepower, so the the Wild would fall in that series, but it'd be entertaining. The I think the big thing to beat the Wild is very simple. 
It's using size and also the Wilds goaltending, although I think has it's interesting because Kapo Kakin has taken a step up, but Cam Talbot's taken a step back. So the Wild have also gotten kind of average goaltending. And the analytics have suggested that the Wilds deep and this is not this is never has been a problem for Minnesota, no matter what 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 the case is, because their defense has shown that their expected goal rate should be pretty damn good but their goaltenders are allowing a little bit more than they should be allowing, i.e. they're not making some of the saves they should be making when the defense is presenting them opportunities. So that could be a recipe for, that could be a problem. That could be a problem for Minnesota. But, I, I mean, the, the funny thing is in the Western Conference, I mean, outside of maybe Leonard, like, there isn't, like, obviously Darcy Kemper is extremely beatable. The, the Wilds goaltending situation is not stellar. There's kind of a there's a lot of top teams right now. I'm blanking who's in net in Calgary for, for, the, for the Flames this season because Calgary is having such a nice year. But there isn't there isn't like a goaltender like last year with Vegas. Like Leonard and Flurry were on top of their game, where th- there isn't a team in the a top of the West that really scares me goaltending wise. Which I think is just going to be a fascinating thing to watch as as the playoffs unfold. Like which goaltender does yep. get hot? Who pulls the Bennington and just carries the team? Right? Like. Who who is going to be that goalie? Because to win to win four rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you need your goaltending to get hot. And a tandem, I don't think, is going to be the way to go about it. Calgary is good uh, in, in goal. Uh, Vegas Leonard just got hurt, and we're, it's not quite clear how long he's going to be out. I think it's uh, a labrum. I think it's something like that, and so he might be out for a while. In fact, there, there was uh, there was quickly a a rumor that was shot down by the Vegas GM that they might actually try get flurry and get back. flurry back. Yeah. And the GM's like, that ain't happening. Don't worry about it. I ordinarily don't address this stuff. Uh, the Blues are an intriguing one, not because of uh, Jordan Bennington, but 27-year-old Billy Huso, 17 games, 11-3-1, more importantly, statistically, 185 goals against, 939 save percentage. And so if his play translates to, to the playoffs, he might be the, the guy there. I mean, Bennington will play. Yeah. But but the important thing here, I think, is so Talbot analytically and statistically has not been great. Mm-hmm. I will say this. If if you've watched him play, uh he has played, I think I think he's played better than the stat show. He's not been great, but he's been um I would say Solid. But if you, yeah, if you're going to go into the playoffs and your goaltending is going to scuffle or, or struggle, you're screwed. Uh, I just think that last night, again, and the back-to-back games um, from the past couple of weeks against the Jets, what they have shown us is when the Wild falls in love with how they think they should play, they, they leave themselves vulnerable to being beaten. When they play like they should, which is a hard game, which, which is a, a very work like game that then translates well to their talents that changes things and and i'll give you a stat from last night that it's one game so it's not a huge deal but the boldy goudreau fiala line a minus three yeah fiala if you include the, the fact that he was actually on the ice as the i think the extra attacker for an empty net goal minus four um and Boldy in the playoffs to me is going to be extremely interesting because because he's going to learn the same thing that Kirill learned against the Golden Knights last spring, which is the playoffs change things. And Boldy is going to have to play a physical, and I think he can. 
a physical heavy game. Um, his talents are great and, and that will translate, but it won't translate if he thinks, man, I am a talented, uh, uh, player. I can, I can make cool passes because he can, he can do all of those things. But the most important thing from Foldy's standpoint is when the playoffs start, that line is going to have to play a tough game, a hard game. And if they don't, they're going to be in trouble. So, so I do think that if nothing else, these Jets games have given us sort of a window into what happens when the wild believes they're good, as opposed to they're good, but they have to work their butts off as well. Yeah, th- this is an interesting point because the Boldy Fiala Goudreau line um, has been very da- has been damn good. And if the Wild's top line of Hartman, Kaprizov, Zuccarello gets shut down, can that line score goals? Which I think it can. I think it can score yeah, goals. Talk- which yeah. is which is the good good point of that. And the yes. Eck Greenway Felino lines, a physical shutdown line, which will be tasked with shutting down opposing top to- top lines. Will they have opportunities to score? Yes, but I wouldn't be reliant on that line to score. I'd be reliant on the opposite. I'd be reliant on that line to shut things down defensively. And if they can get a transition goal, great. But they're not going to be able to... I don't think they're going to be a go-to line that's going to score you big goals in the playoffs. They're they're literally they're tasked with the opposite of that. This is where Frederick Goudreau, I think, it, it kind of shows, is he good enough to anchor that second line? There's a trust with him. And there's he's a really good player defensively, and Garen and Everson love his game. But is there someone else? Could it be Marco Rossi? Could it be someone you get on the trade market that can elevate that game? Which I think, yes, I do think there's. I don't believe you can go in to a playoff series and say Frederick Goudreau is our number two center. I just can't. I, I he's been a reliable player, but I can't take the Wild seriously for four rounds and think Frederick Goudreau is that guy. Um. He's been a great soldier, but if they're going to really make a run, not just win a, a, a first-round series, could they, could they beat the Blues with Frederick Goudreau as second-line center? Yeah, probably. They can. But can they beat the Avs? Could they beat the Knights? Could they beat the Flames? And then could they get to the Cup with Frederick Goudreau as second-line center playing 16, 17 minutes a night? I mean, I don't think so. I th- th- That's just literally, you're matching up horses, and you know who the weakest horse is, and that's Goudreau. So... I, I think that's why at the end of the day, they're going to have to probably make a move. And I just hope they're not stubborn enough to not make one because they trust Frederick Goudreau in that role. It's going to have to be an upgrade, though. So, like, you can't go out and get a, well, this guy might be, because the locker room chemistry demands that, that if you are going to replace him, you replace him with a clear-cut Giroux-like upgrade. So, so like, don't, don't go get a guy who is, oh, this guy was pretty good, and uh, he's... You're going to have to go, in my opinion, if if you are going to do that, you got to go make an impact trade. It can't be uh, we sent a draft pick to, to this team for a guy who can w- win some faceoffs, and yeah, we'll plug him in. Like that's the old way. I I don't want that. I want if you're if you're going to do what you're talking about, which is going in to make a run, you're going to have to make an impact trade. And if you don't, then I don't think it's smart. Uh, so don't go get me a guy who you're like, oh, this guy, yeah, we like him. Uh, he's going to be okay. No, no, no. I need I need that guy to walk in the locker room once the trade is done and for the entire team to say, like, Freddie, we love you. You've been great, but this guy, this is the guy. So, like, that, that's where it just feels like in this town, we've seen so many of those potential upgrade trades, right? 
If you really want to make a run, I don't want a potential upgrade trade. I want an upgrade. I want to clear cut everybody from the locker room to management to the fan base understands, oh my God, you went and got that that guy. And if you don't do that, and I think Bill Guerin's smart enough not to, if you don't do that, do not make a change for the sake of appearances. Because that's like what the Twins did, right? Mm-hmm. We got Sam Dyson. Uh, okay, yeah, really? That's that's your move? Sergio. Oh, sir. I love I love the guy. He talks a lot. He's fun, but like that's your move. So, uh, last thing, last thing, and it's uh, I think it might be one of the first things this season that Dean has done that I, I don't like. Um, and it's been the last two games at least with Dumba out, and I saw him. I saw him at the Wolves game on Tuesday. So, look spry, look good, but. I guess he is going to potentially be out for a couple of weeks. Um, do not play Spurgeon and Brodeen together. They are stabilizing influences by themselves. Put them with, this is what I always said. Suter always insisted, and he insisted, on playing with Spurgeon, right? And it was always like, no, move Suter with somebody else because a guy like Dumba at that time needs Spurgeon. He needs a stabilizer. Suter, stabilizer. Well, guess what? Spurgeon remains that. Brodeen is that now, right? And Brodeen and Dumba together, I think, are great. I think that's great. But why do you have your, your top two defensemen together? Because what does that do? It invites problems. Last two games, Jordy Ben, okay? I need Jordy Ben with a guy who stabilizes things right now. Like, I have to play him. Guys are hurt. So, so what? Kalen's out, uh, I think, after that behind the net, that silly collision in Des Moines. He's out now. Upper body, don't know when, when he's back. Uh, Dumba out now for a few weeks. So, Goligoski, put him back with Spurgeon and pick a guy who Brodeen can help out. Brodeen's that good. I do not want Spurgeon and Brodeen together. Last thing, Goligoski Dex struggled last night. He's good with Spurgeon. Leave him there. Yeah. That's the first, that that's one of the very few things that Dean's done that, that I flat out said, really? I I know what you're doing, but I just don't like it. Yeah, I I, I don't really get that one either. I think you spread the wealth um between Spurgeon and Brodeen because playing them together leaves you really really susceptible susceptible in the in the last two of your bottom pairing defensemen and Jordy Ben's been a little bit exposed more because he's had to play a little bit more with Dumba being out and if and if that's the case like I'd rather just call up Kalen Addison and let him play those minutes for, for Jordy now Ben but now he's hurt so yeah, he's out so with, with this is where you when you lose a defenseman you really start to see your your true depth here like John Merrill and Kulikov have been nice players they've been solid but now that you have to play Jordy Ben more, you have to play Kulikov and Merrill more. I'd rather, I'm with you. I think I would, Brodine and Spurgeon together, it's kind of like when they were figuring out their power play. You know, now like their unit is looks damn good because Boldy's been phenomenal and they can kind of spread the power play well full round. Same thing with their defensive pairs. I think there's too many horses, too many, your, your top two horses in, in Brody and Spurgeon, which are great players. They're, they're, they're top defensemen on every single team. But with the wild side, if you are going to put those two together, well, now all of a sudden you can get beat really bad and get burned defensively when those two are together. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, de- decisions are, are the most important thing for Dean mm-hmm. and a decision by me. Very important too. 
because a few months back, let's just say Judd was a little bit more jowly. Judd was carrying some extra weight. In fact, Judd was carrying, let's be blunt about it, a lot of extra weight. And that extra weight now, it's it's basically melting away, thanks to my friends, at Livia Weight Control Centers, down 30-plus pounds. That's right, 30-plus pounds down. Uh, continue to lose it. And I want you to join me now on the I Did It Eight Week Challenge where you get your first eight weeks for free. Just to put that into context for you. I lost 26 pounds in my first eight weeks. Imagine eight weeks from now, you are down 26 pounds. Spring is here. The birds are chirping. All of those clothes in your closet that right now you're you're like, how are they going to fit? They all fit. 855, go dot com. L-I-V-E-A. Dot com. Check them out. Tell them Score North and JHS sent you. And uh, if I can do it, you can too. For all uh, your Minnesota okay. sports entertainment, hit the subscribe button on this YouTube channel. Judd and I will be back uh, probably later sometime, I'm sure, in the next coming days. Not the wild. We, Actually, we, play we got a big games. one Friday. Yeah, big game Friday. We got Friday a big night. one Friday. We got a big, a big game Friday night. Those big pesky game Florida Friday Panthers, night. they are a they are a good pesky. Team they're coach. carnivores. They're, they're, they'll, they'll kill you. Coach by. Andrew Brunette? Bruno. Bruno Bruno's Bruno, done a great Bruno. job. Good for him. Great guy. Love anyway. Bruno. We don't we don't All play right, we, we don't we don't play the, the Bill Guerin after after no, uh, after can't. a loss, unfortunately. So we won't do that. But as always, pass shoot score. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I one hundred percent agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.